initiated. Out of bounds. So welcome to Out of Bounds. Finally, feels like years later, we're finally back. Um, here we are. The NBA season just ended yesterday. Um, and here we have the NBA play and preview podcast. Um, so, Kyle, I just want to rattle off the uh, seeds. Yeah, it's been a crazy season, man. Like, I feel like uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the play-in team, but it's, it's going to be a fun and interesting week to see who gets in. Um, for the first seed, we have uh, the Miami Heat, uh, and then the Celtics finish the two seed, Bucks to the three seed, Sixers to the four seed, and those two, three, four teams are all tied, but then the tiebreaker is involved. Five seed goes to the Raptors, six seed goes to the Bulls. So those six teams are set in the Eastern Conference. They're, they're going to have a playoff series. As far as the playing goes, 7, 8, 9, 10, we have the Nets and Cavs at 7 and 8, and then the Hawks and Hornets at 9 and 10. And those teams will be playing in this upcoming week with the Cavs starting off tomorrow. The Western Conference, we have the Suns at 1 with the best record in the NBA, 64 and 18. They had a phenomenal season, almost an 800 win percentage. And then the Grizzlies with a surprising season, 2 seed. Warriors 3 seed, Mavs 4 seed, Jazz 5 seed, Nuggets 6 seed. And again, those, playoff, those teams are locked into the playoffs. And as far as the playing goes, Timberwolves at seven. Number eight is Clippers, nine Pelicans, and ten Spurs. And then a team I don't see in there is the Lakers. A disappointing season for them. Just have to make sure. Man had to get that in there. That man had to get that in there. I have to make sure. We could honestly make like a whole podcast on the Lakers. Uh, It's honestly, I don't think it's a bad idea. Maybe like in the off season or something. But okay, who cares about them right now? Um, I I can go ham on the Lakers. (laughs) No, we got. We definitely, we definitely got to give you the platform. Like definitely it's gonna happen. Um nah, but so before we get into the uh, playoffs and play in tournament coming up, which is very exciting, I think it's gonna be a great playoffs, especially in a year where everyone seems to be playing so so well. I feel like there's a huge offensive explosion that happened after All Star Break. And I think the playoffs are gonna definitely encapsulate the offensive talent that's just surging in the league right now. Um but before we get to that Let's just give a quick uh, overview of the teams that <clears throat> that mi- that missed the playoffs and the play-in altogether. Um, so I'm just gonna list off the the lottery teams, not in the order, but it's Knicks, Wizards, Pacers, Pistons, Magic, Lakers, Kings, Blazers, Thunder, and Rockets. So, I mean, out of all these teams, like obviously, um, for some of them, like the Lakers, the Knicks, probably the Wizards, and I don't know, probably the, P- the Pacers too. Their season definitely didn't go as planned as they found each as they found themselves in the lottery. Um, I don't know, but this year we also saw like teams just very blatantly tanking, um, like the Thunder. <laughs> the Thunder are kind of like the poster boy for uh, tanking. But like to be fair though, like the Rockets, Blazers, Pistons, and Magic, and even the Pacers, I guess to a certain extent, have been tanking. Um, so I guess the question I want to ask you is. What do you think about tanking, and is it, has it gone a bit too far this year? I think for me, the frustrating part about tanking was kind of like, because as a Celtics fan, I wanted them to fight for seeding. So with, like, the East being really locked up, there was a lot of games where, like, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Celtics were playing these tanking teams. And if I was rooting for, like, a win from the tanking team and the other teams to lose, I couldn't get that because the Pacers were tanking, the Pistons were tanking, which I don't understand because... Like they should still be building for a future and trying to set a good culture. 
You know, like the Pistons, like Cade was sitting a couple games, like Tyrese just sat a couple games for the Pacers. And like, and then you have players like Bradley Beal and the Wizards and Dame on the Blazers who say they're hurt, but I don't think it's very long term and they just want to set up the season. And I, I, I'm pretty sure Steph Curry did like something similar to that two years ago. So like when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's just like you don't care about those like low end teams, but it, it affects the, the other teams that make the playoffs. It affects standings and everything. And that's what makes it very frustrating for me. Yeah, that's a good point you brought up, man. Like, it definitely influences the seeding very heavily. Um, like, who knows? Like, if you're, like, the Celtics and you're trying to lose to, like, avoid the Nets or something and you just play, like, I don't know, like the Pistons or something who take out all their players and you're guaranteed going to beat them, you end up with that two seed that you don't want. Um, but I don't know. Even, like, outside of that, the main thing that I wanted to talk about is kind of just how it destroys, like, the product of the NBA we often compare the viewership of the NBA a lot to the NFL and everyone always wonders like, Oh, why is the NFL so dominant? And I think like rules that like kind of enable these teams to tank is what is causing that distinct divide in viewership. I mean, if you have like, like I just rattled off like all the tanking teams, I think there were about like five or six. That's like 20% of the league right there. And pretty much towards the end of the season after all-star break, which is like, you know, right when football season ends and that's like probably their opportunity to have the most viewership. That's when they're actually, you know, like putting out lineups that barely have any sort of NBA players. And I think because of that, like the product is just completely destroyed. Like who wants to watch like, you know, people that like really shouldn't be in the NBA just play against each other, especially when you know that the teams are actively trying to lose. So it's definitely a huge issue. Um, but to kind of transition from that topic, uh, what do you think, like, out of all of these teams, like, what are some young players that you feel good about? And, like, maybe who's the best young player that you would want to build your team or from the lottery teams? And I don't know, man, like, don't don't include, like, the Lakers because it's, like, it's, like, okay, like, if you want to choose one player to build my team, I'm just going to choose LeBron. Like, no, no, no. Like, I feel like we should choose the teams, you know, who actually, like, weren't good enough or, like, I guess, yeah, just move the Lakers from that, in my opinion. Yeah, like the Lakers are like in a separate category. They're not in the playoffs, they're not in the lottery. They're just like in an embarrassing yeah. category. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I feel like I have to go with like either Bradley Bill on the Wizards or Dame on the Blazers, but neither have shown like they've shown loyalty to the, the team, but they haven't shown like they want to win. And it's not like I, I don't yeah. even trust the organizations because they don't even feel like putting like the right pieces around them. Like the Blazers have failed for years and the Wizards have just failed for years. So, like, I would say, like, I would, I think the best player out of everyone here, if you take Beal and Dame out, is probably Shea, to be honest, on the Thunder. And, like, the, the Thunder were one of those teams who was, who were tanking, like, like hard, like, all season for, like, two years, like, racking up um, uh, draft picks, almost a similar path that the Celtics were doing, like, but, like, in those two, three years in the middle of the 2010s. But they just have to hit on those, they, they need to find a Tatum, they need to find a Jalen Brown. They probably have their Tatum, or they probably have their Jalen Brown. They need to find that other piece. So eventually it should come to fruition. So I think, uh, like, I would take Shea as the best player out of this group if you're not counting Beal or Dame because those are kind of, like, iffy. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, Beal and Dame, like, we've seen them, like, they're kind of in, a, in the second or third stage of their career where it's like, okay, like, they were a good established young players. Like, they made a name for themselves in the league. They got a couple of all-star appearances. And now it's to the point where, they're just unable to win in their current situations. 
So it's kind of like that classic NBA stereotype where it's like, okay, like if you're in a small market and you can't win there, we just kind of build this media pressure, this fan pressure, and like kind of just throw out rumors like, oh, does Bradley Beal want to request a trade? Does Damian Lillard want to request a trade? So I don't know. In my opinion, I wouldn't count those two either just because I feel like they're in a different stage. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you. I think as of this year from the remaining teams, I think Shea is easily probably the best player in, from all those teams. But I mean, obviously that could change in like a little bit. Like, I don't know, Cade Cunningham is really, really good. Um, so like, I wouldn't be surprised if in like maybe like three or four years, like Cade is on Shea's level or even something greater. But as of right now, Tyrese, Tyrese and the Pacers, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Tyrese for sure. Tyrese is definitely like probably the best, like the best, or if not like the top, like three passers amongst all these lottery teams. So he's definitely really good as well. I mean, I just like doubt the Pacers ability to like build around him because now like they're thinking about like trading for Russell Westbrook, which would be, which would be pretty bad for them. Um, But yeah, I mean, out of all those teams, I kind of agree. I think Stay is the player I want to build around just because, like, I think his scoring is probably, like, the most real. Like, after All-Star break, I think he's averaging, like, 30 points from, like, the last, like, 10 games he played in the season, which is, like, a good step in the right direction. Plus, like, that team has, like, no shooting, so we'll see. Um, but anyways, yeah, let's let's uh, move on from these uh, lottery teams, unless you have uh, any closing thoughts. I mean, I, the last thing I really want to say is, like, out of these teams, like, who do you think is going to be the best team in the next couple of years? And then, like, five years down the line. We're all assuming, like, that Thunder will be the best team four years down the line because they're, like, they have a good culture. That's what's, like, important about tanking. Like, I know it's, like, not good to tank, but, like, they also play hard. Like, they go over their, uh, like, their wins every year. And they, they, like, led the league in, like, against the spread. And I sent you that tweet. You know? Yeah, so, like, they also they, had, they, like... They also had like the most like or not I don't know if they had the most it was like close to like the most uh comebacks in the league too of like down like 15 points and I don't know the tanking is happening on an organization level not on like a player to player or like a coach level so I think that Especially definitely that makes a huge game, difference man? Oh yeah game? no they oh, that was <laughs> no, they crazy like dude they came they crazy they would not man. give up like they would not give up at all like they, they still felt like they had a chance like it was a 30 point game that they kept coming back and eventually it was like five-point game it was annoying yeah and i mean i don't know obviously like i could stand here and like uplift the thunder to like sound like a homer but i mean there's like if you just look at the other teams like i think the other teams have like a lot more question marks like with the rockets like you could kind of see that the direction they're going but like they're still like i don't know they still have christian wood on payroll like they wanted to play dennis Schroeder for some reason like they still have eric gordon and they don't have anything else like really going on with them. Um, so like, I think they're just kind of caught in this weird in between them. Like, I don't get what they're trying to do. Like they have all these draft picks, they have all these young players, but instead of playing them, they're playing like Christian Wood and like Dennis Schroeder and like trying to see like what those guys can do. So I think that's like their main issue. And then like the Kings is the Kings, man. Like they'll, they'll always be in like that middle spot. And I don't think the magic have a good, like any sort of good player, like outside of like maybe Wendell Carter Jr. Um, and I don't know, like I think they still need to find their main guy. Like they took Jalen Suggs like really early. We, there's still a lot of questions around him. Um, so 
I don't know. To me, I just think the Thunder are like the best positioned in terms of having that best player, but also in terms of just raw assets. Um, I think they easily have the best, the best shot to be really good in, in a couple of years. Yeah, and I mean, the media future it kind of depends on what the Wizards and Blazers do around that team. Like what you were saying, like the stereotypical like player, because when it, like a player signs a rookie contract, it's a four-year deal, right? And then that after that third year, they get the extension, which is like another four-year deal, which is where it becomes like seven. So that's like seven years, like when LeBron left in 2010. So it's always like seven years, and then they like then they become a free agent. Like obviously, Beal had that chance like uh, two years ago, and he like he didn't leave. Right, so like Dame again, he had that chance. He didn't leave. So and now they're in like their second extended contract with their team, which which is the supermax. And now they're stuck in this, and they don't seem to be like they don't have the history of like making moves. Like they they brought in like, they brought in Josh Hart. Like, are you kidding me for the Blazers? And like they traded away <laughs> CJ. Like Josh Hart is pretty good. Man. He's okay. Yeah, no, but like it's not another piece you need for Dame. You need something a lot better than that. Yeah, I agree. I have no idea where the Blazers are going from here, man. No and idea. Porzingis for the Wizards, like, dude, like, you're not going anywhere with these teams. And obviously, like, I feel as a player like Beal, he'd be perfect on the Mavs, but I don't think it's smart for a team like the Wizards to just pay Bradley Beal because they're just not going to make it work. They have to just rebuild completely and just start over fresh. Because if they pay Bradley Beal, it's going to be the same cycle over and over again. And nothing's going to change. Yeah. I mean, I think the reason that they pay him is that so that they could trade him, though. Like, if you pay him a lot of money, like, I think that guarantees, like, you get a good return back in case you do want to trade him. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're very, like, I don't understand, like, a lot of the thought process behind them. And, like, you could say the same thing about the Knicks, man. Like, I'm sure you probably have, like, a lot to say on the Knicks. But, like, Julius Randle had, like, a terrible season, and it just, like, it wasn't really good. And, like, I don't know, I guess they still have some young pieces in like RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin. I don't know how much people really believe in those guys. Um, I mean, I like RJ Barrett, but the, the other two, I'm like very shaky on. So, I mean, all those teams in that tier, like you could kind of group them like the Knicks wizards. Pacers, I mean, I guess Pacers kind of saved themselves by getting Tyrese Halliburton, but before they were like, like on their way to like be in the same path as the Knicks wizards and uh, like Kings and blazers. Yeah, man. There's a reason these guys didn't make the playoffs. So, yep. yeah, not that great. All right, man. I think we should uh, move on to the play-in games. Um, so, we'll, let's start with the East, I guess. Uh, Cavs and Nets, the 7-8 game. Yeah, so for those also who don't even know how the play-in works, I know a lot of people are confused. Like, there's the play-in is the, the 7 through 10 seed. So the seven and eight team, the seven hosts the eight team. So in this case, the Cleveland Cavaliers, eight seed, they're going to Brooklyn to play one game. And the winner of that game becomes a seven seed who plays the two seed in the playoffs. And the loser of that game plays the winner of the nine, 10 game, which also happens simultaneously. And then the winner of that third game becomes the eight seed and plays the one seed. And, like, before we even get into the games, like, how do you feel about the whole play-in thing in general? Like, this is the second year of it, and, like, they kind of did, it's like two and a half, because they kind of did, like, half of this in the bubble year. Like, kind of, like, a different version of this. So, how do you feel about, the play, like, the play-in tournament in general? Uh, I mean, I like the idea of the play-in. Like, they have good intentions. I think the main goal is to, it's kind of ironic, we were just talking about tanking, but the main goal of it is to kind of, 
subvert tanking and kind of prevent teams from tanking by maybe thinking like, okay, like an all-star break, like, oh, we're close to the 10 seed, like we can make a run. Um, but in my opinion, I think it's it's a good idea, but I think like, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain my thoughts because like the issue is I feel that like the play-in game in some cases makes no sense at all. Like for example, like I think the Timberwolves are up like what, like seven or eight games on the Clippers um, for the seven seed. So like in that case, it makes like no sense at all for me, for like to me that the that they should have like their season potentially gone when they had like a seven or eight game lead because that's that's a huge lead. Um, like they, they, you can't like to, to me, it's like they just deserve to be a playoff team. Like if I was a Timberwolves fan and I my team lost in the play in like to the Clippers and then like I don't know, let's say just have a bad night against like the winner of the Spurs and Pelicans or whatever which is very possible. Like you could just have an off night in shooting or something and they get sent home. Like, dude, I would be so mad. Cause it's like, what is this whole season of hard work has just gone down the drain because of one game, even though we had like a seven or eight game lead. So I don't know, maybe like there should be like a situational circumstance where it's like, okay, like only do the play. And if like the teams are within this many games or like just remove the seven seed from the equation and only make it the eight seed. Um, I think something like that would be like a lot better. I think during the bubble year, that's what they did. I think that's when the Suns were on that run, but they just weren't close enough, right? And then like, and like, whoever was eight seed, like you have to be like within three or four games. Like, it's not fair for the Timberwolves to be forty six and thirty six, and then they're twelve games above the Spurs. And like, the Spurs could just take their spot. The Timberwolves yeah, exactly. Game, yeah, and then that the makes Spurs no could, sense. Like, win the game, and then the Spurs are eight seed. That's just not right. right, you know. Like, that's what I don't like. So at least in the East, it kind of makes sense because there's only a game apart all four teams. So that kind of makes sense where you all like want to like, play the games, whoever deserves it. Uh, at least for me, like I want the Nets to lose right away. Like, so that gives me some hope. But like, in the, especially in the West, it does, does not, not make sense. Especially the Lakers made it in and they would have had a chance to get LeBron and AD healthy and then they would have their chance to like be a seven seed or be eight seed. That's just not right. So, yeah, I agree. Oh, you're saying like if they made the nine or ten and then jumped to like the seven? Yeah, and then, and then have a chance to like play for the eight seed, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a single elimination game. Like, you could just have one bad shooting night, you know, or like, or if a player gets injured in that 7 8 game and you lose that game, so now you're going to the like the second game without Carl Anthony Towns, and then boom, you're, you're done. So, I, th- I think I agree that like, you have to have like a separation, like three, four games. Like, at, at least, like, if the seven seed, at the seven seed, if they're four games above the eight seed, like in this case, okay, you're clear. And if the eight seed is like four games above the nine seed, then okay, you're clear. But if they're then if they're like close within each other, then you can do this whole playing tournament. I just think they're trying yeah. to do get I get fans and like Adam Silver wants to add like a mid season tournament. Like there's too many stuff going on, man. Yeah, and you could easily have like an abridged like play in tournament. Um like in this case, like you could just say that, oh, it's like if the seven seed is too far, just do like nine and ten plays each other and then they play the eight seed for the eight, like eight seed or something like that. Yeah. Um yeah. which is like fine. I mean the one good thing about the play in though, I'll say is like those games are definitely like very entertaining. Um, like compared to like, I don't know, like the one eight like matchup, like most of the time, like that matchup is just one that like, is like, you know, like on its way to like sending the eight seed home. So like, I feel like the one to eight matchup just feels like a formality <laughs> in a lot of playoff series. Um, so I don't know, like I'd rather watch the play and then watch like, I don't know, the Suns beat whoever wins in that like eight spot, but 
That's just me. I would probably argue against that within like, especially in like a year like this, very easily the Nets and Lakers could have been those eight seeded teams. And yeah, I would take a fully Nets team versus a fully Heat team. Like I wouldn't go against that. Like they had Ben Simmons back, and the same could go for the Lakers. I know that that roster was poorly constructed, but like. LeBron and AD healthy, like they were very close to beating. I still think if they had AD healthy last year, they probably could have won that Sun series. Also, like they could have won the same thing this year. So in that case, like and just in this very special case this year, like the eight seed actually had a chance because of injuries and all. But yeah, I, got, I agree overall with the whole playing tournament in general. We definitely got to take a moment just to realize like how weird this NBA season actually was because like you just brought it up there, kind of like the Lakers and the Nets were like the betting favorites to be in the championship. Like that was like the betting favorite, like finals matchup, if I'm not mistaken. So just to have like both of those teams, like, well, the Lakers like clear cut, just missed the playoffs and the Nets like, uh, like in the play in is like actually like absurd. Like there's just like a huge, like that, that just shows like how good the NBA is right now, because you can't like predict like what's going to happen. Like there's just that much variability I also feel like there's, like, a new era where, like, younger teams are kind of, like, able to, like, overtake, like, older teams. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, remember, like, I don't know I don't know how many years ago, but, like, before, like, it was, like, okay, like, if you have, like, a young team, like, you're just going to lose, like, no matter what. It literally does not matter, like, what, like, how good your players are. Like, if you're a young team, like, you're probably just going to end up losing. And now I feel like that's not the case, man. Like, like you're seeing, like, teams like the Grizzlies just, like, rise up out of nowhere and like just like with hustle and like effort and like like a grit and grind mentality like just rise to like the, to the top like the western conference so like i don't know i think if there's like a time for like young teams even like the celtics like they're, they're a pretty young team like Jalen brown jason tatum like still very young like there's no one on that team that's like really really old like i guess i mean they have some role players obviously but like the core of that team is very young so, and, like, they're, they're, like, definitely the story of the NBA season after, like, all-star break. So, I think, like, now is the time for, like, young teams to rise up. Funnily enough, like, I actually, like, was talking to my friend the other day about that point. Like, I feel like the NBA is transitioning from, it used to be, like, a big three league. Like, LeBron started, even before LeBron, like, the Celtics big three and, like, Lakers 2004 big three. It's always just big three teams. And I feel like once the decade once the decade turned around, it's like a dynamic duo and then really good depth around them. You know, like like the Clippers kind of started that trend, and Lakers like LeBron, AD, and you put good depth around them, and boom, you get a championship. Lakers with the Clippers, you get Kawhi and PG, and boom, you get good depth around them. So I feel like the like in that sense, the league is transitioning into that kind of direction. Like all the good teams right now, just a duo and a really good depth around them. The Bucks, the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Celtics. You know, even the Heat, you know, you could say that about them. Yeah, exactly. No, it's interesting, though. Like, the teams as a whole, I feel like the players are, like, a lot better um, as opposed to, like, having just, like, three, like, insanely talented dudes and then, like, everyone else is, like, whatever. doesn't even really matter. Like, I definitely prefer to have, like, everyone on the team, like, be more important. And I feel like a lot of the X factors for these teams are going to be, like, their role players, you know, like. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, yeah, let, let's take a look at this uh, Cavs like Nets matchup. Um, so the Cavs, I don't know, they had a great start to the season. Like Evan Mobley definitely transformed that team on the defensive end. Like they finished, I guess, let's see, fifth in defensive rating, which is like actually insane. And to go from like, I think last year they were like fifth or fourth, I guess, in the lottery. 
Um, and I think they finished tied with the Thunder for four. The Thunder won the coin flip, so the Cavs ended up with the fifth best odds. But to go from that to like the play in and have like like Evan Mobley just like crash the scene and like assert his dominance on the defensive end, it's been kind of crazy to watch. And, and also when like when they made that trade for Laurie Markkinen, like everyone was making fun of that trade because they had a lineup of like. Taco Fall, uh, Laurie Markkinen, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, like all those bigs were on that team. And their starting starting lineup was just three centers, and then Sexton and Garland. Like, they just didn't seem like it was going to work. And I think J.B. Brickerstaff did a really great job with this team. They had, like, a really good defensive team. They kind of struggled to score on offense. They had 20th in offensive rating. But, like, they're, like, they have, with those big men, it's hard to get to the paint. You know, they're, like, close to the top 10 point paints allowed. But, like, I think they have a very bright future. And they did this all without Sexton. Sexton played, like, what, 11 games this year? And then, like, Garland has, like, shown out like, the kick and ball. Isaac Okoro solid. Yeah, Karis Levert was, like, whatever. Like, he, he fits with the team. But, like, I think yeah, I'm kind of really out on Karis, man. Yeah, but the future's really bright for this team, man. Like, I like this team. Yeah, for sure. And like the main thing you look at is they finished 20th in offensive rating. And I just like feel so bad that they didn't have Colin Sexton because that's the one area he definitely could have helped. And like, I feel like he was really picking up his game as like a good score. And like the one knock on him is, I guess, like his defense. Um, But, you know, like Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are there to like help fix that. And I still don't know about his long term fit with the team just because like Darius Garland has obviously been like really, really good. And I think you have to keep him like over like Colin Sexton if you had to choose. Um, and I just like, don't know how, I don't know how you can keep like two undersized guards as your like starting point guard and shooting guard and like hope to get far, you know, unless they're like, like Steph and clay, like level shooters. Like, I, and even that like clay is like pretty, has pretty good size on him. So like, I, I just don't really see how you can get that far with, keeping both of them there as a the starting pointing as a starting point guard and a shooting guard. I mean, personally, I, I feel like Garland has been good for about a year and a half now, but I feel like Sexton has like, has more of a resume. I'm not ready to just choose that yet. I think I'd have to give him a year. And if it doesn't fit, if it doesn't work, then I kind of pick and choose, but like it could work together. They kind of made it work in the beginning of last year. But yeah. I guess, I guess we have to see who emerges from the two of them. Like they have a lot of good pieces to work. They, they, the problem is they can't get players from free agency. No one's gonna go to Cleveland. Like LeBron learned that. The yeah, exactly. Day. Right. So like you have to keep building what you've been doing. Like Isaac Okoro has good good thing. Like uh, um, the Seti Osman is solid. Like Dean Wade's solid. So if they just keep it up and like make the right trades, like they could be a really good. They could be in the top four in the East in a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's go on to the Nets. I feel like the Nets is kind of like the the interesting story here in the East, you know, everyone is talking them up. Everyone's trying to spend the second half of all-star break, trying to duck the nets, but here we are. They made the play in. They'll be, um, I guess, I guess they're the eight seed, right? On the road going to Cleveland. No, no, no. Or no. There's, there's heaven seat. They're hosting the, the game. Oh, because they have, okay. they have a tiebreaker. They have a tiebreaker. Over oh, okay. I see. Um, but that, that, that nets team is definitely like terrible, like a terrible matchup for anyone that's like, I guess in the second seed, um, which I guess that's your Celtics, right? But yeah, that that's that's just like so unfair, man. Like you have like a great season after All Star break. Like, what was the record? I guess it was like thirty, like and something, right? Ever since my birthday, when they were eighteen and twenty one, they've been thirty three and ten. 
which is like which yeah, is that's 66 insane. win pace, yeah. Insane. And then the reward for that is the Nets, which is just crazy. But I mean, we'll get into more in the playoff preview uh, podcast that we'll have like later on in the week. But for now, like, dude, this Nets team, they're, they're definitely really scary. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, like, it wasn't working. Like, they've had a lot of issues. Like, Kyrie and Katie have only played 17 games this year together. So they're 11 and 6 because Kyrie, I mean, Kyrie has his whole anti-vaccine thing going on and he doesn't want to join. He won't take the vaccine. And then KD, like, he missed, what, 27 games this year with that calf strain. So, and then the whole Harden drama. So, so that your point back to the Nets and Lakers, like, they were the betting favorites for a reason. Like, they were probably the two best teams on paper, if healthy. Problem was, neither stayed healthy. And then, like, the cat, and then the Nets had this whole vaccine issue on top of that. So, and the Harden drama. So, honestly, if like the Nets like had, had a healthy season, they would be in the top four, top five. Like, they'd be in the playoffs for sure. So, it's kind of like unfortunate they've like been in this position. But like, here we are, and uh, they're in the play. And yeah, like, it's the two seeds reward. But I will say this, like. It is one game. It's a single game. I've been saying this all year. Like, everyone keeps saying, oh, yeah, like, Nets are going to be the Cavs. Nets going to be the Cavs. I'm not saying, like, the Cavs have, like, no like no chance. Like, the Nets are probably the favorite for a reason. But it is one game. And, like, KD and Kyrie, like, can have, like, bad shooting games. It happened two weeks ago with the Hornets. And then, boom, like, the Cavs steal a game. I'm not saying it's possible, but, like, it's not like they're guaranteed to be the seventh seed. And, and my also, my other question was, like, do the, do the Nets want to play the Celtics first round and then deal with the Bucks after? Or would they kind of just, like, tank and, like, tank in a sense, like, they know they're going to beat the winner of the 9-10 game no matter what. And then they have an easier path with Miami and then the winner of Philly-Toronto. Like, I feel like I'd take that path over, like, going through Boston and Milwaukee, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense from a logical perspective, but I just don't think, like, the players, like, think like that. And especially, like, now that I feel like they're just going to, like, like, I think the environment in Brooklyn is, like, I agree with you if they, like, went on the road or something to Cleveland. But, like, I don't know, Cleveland is, like, a young team, like, going to go into Brooklyn when, like, Kyrie and KD are, like, hungry. Like, I feel like, I don't know, I just don't think they would give up an opportunity like that to, like, make a statement, you know. Like, I don't think they, I don't think either of them, like, really care who they play, even though they probably should. But, like, just knowing, like, KD's personality, like, that man doesn't care. So I, I think he's definitely just going to try to go off and win that game. But, like, like you said, like, there's a lot of, like, glass half empty outlooks on the Nets for sure. I mean, even though that, okay, yeah, like, they, they had, like, health and injury concerns and they, you know, like, lost James Harden. Like, there's a lot of drama going on that. But, you know, they're, like, they just haven't been that great of a team all year regardless and, like, I don't know, you look at other teams that, like, have faced a lot of injuries, like the Clippers. Like, the Clippers, like, look great without Paul George um, to, like, a greater extent than the Nets did without their good players. So I think there's definitely a chance that they could, you know, just lose at least one. I mean, I would be utterly shocked if they missed the playoffs as a whole, but I agree with you. Like, losing that first game isn't isn't that crazy of a thing. I think it'll really depend on how... Uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley set the tone inside and how like good they're able to match up with KD. Uh, Jared Allen's out for the game. They ruled him out. Oh, he's out? Yeah. Geez, all right. <laughs> they just kind of screwed that. Yeah. But what about uh, Lowry Markkinen? Is he, is he hurt or is he came, did he come back? Uh, he's playing, but he hasn't been like the same level as he's been playing in the beginning of the year. So it's really they're going to... 
on a team of uh, Garland Okoro, uh, Kevin Love, Mobley, and um, oh man, Mobley, uh, Seti Ozman, and maybe Florence. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Love, man. I feel like if I'm the Nets, like that's the one matchup I'm seeking out. Like I'm just doing pick and roll until whoever is on Kevin Love. I will say this, though. There's two words that are going to give the Cavs a chance of winning this game. Playoff Rondo. <laughs> okay, that's true. That's true. No, he, he's, like, definitely a forgotten piece on their team. Yeah, he's, like, the guy you, like, you never use all year, and then, boom, you pull him out, and then he goes off for a 15-point triple-double, and then you're the seventh seed. Listen, there's a lot of bias in me hoping they can get the seventh seed, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next uh, Eastern Conference matchup here, the 9-10 game. It's the Hornets and the Hawks. Um, so the Hawks kind of had a huge crash from their last season Eastern Conference Finals appearance. Um, so I think the most interesting stat to point out here is last year they were 18th in defensive rating at 112.1, and this year they're 26th in defensive rating. At 113.7, um, their record going into all, like pre All Star break was 28 and 30, um, and their offense, their offensive rating, they're actually sixth at 113.9. So it's very clear that their issues are on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't know, like Trey Young has been going crazy. It's kind of sad that like his season isn't being more widely recognized just because of their like bad record and inability to win games. But it's very clear um, that their issues are on the defensive side of the ball, and I don't really know how they recover from this because of all the free agency signings that they had last year. Uh, I will argue that it, I, I, would, I didn't think of it as much of a crash as other people, just because uh, like, if, if any team had the path of the Knicks and Sixers, I would have taken that team. If any team had like the, the path of the Knicks and Sixers, like, they were taking that team. Like, they were going to win that. Just because, like, the Knicks were, like, flaky all year. And then the Sixers, like, we all know how the Sixers are in the second round of the playoffs. Right? So, like, for me, like, I wasn't, like, that surprised at the crash. And, like, you do say that they're 28-30 going to the All-Star break. They had a similar record last year to All-Star break, and they just kind of kicked up when they made the final. Yeah, they turned up. Yeah, they hired Nick McMillan. So, and, like, like 18th isn't that much better. Like, yeah, it is better. Like, it's by point difference, and it's eight spots higher. But, like, was they weren't, like, a defensive juggernaut back then. I just think, like, they also had the fourth um, easiest strength of schedule after the All-Star break last year compared to this year where they had the 22nd. So maybe that's a difference. You know, it's like if you're comparing last year to this year, I just think this team is where it's at, you know, and, like, Trey Young is kind of heading on that Adley Beal path, that Damian Lillard path a couple of years away, you know, and they might have to start looking at, like, blowing this up and just building around him another day away. Yeah, I mean, the only issue that I took with them was, like, all the trades and, like, free agency signings for, like, Bogdanovich and, like, Gallo and all bringing in all these players, like, Clint Capella. And, like, I feel that, like, if they had just, like, you know, like, somehow gotten in the lottery, like, last year and then, like, made those moves, like, this year, I feel like they would be, like, a lot better primed with one more lottery pick. Because, like, if you look at their team now, like, DeAndre Hunter's contract is up. And, like, what on earth do you pay him? Because, like, I have no idea because he's, like, been really good when he's been on the court. But the problem is he hasn't been able to be on the court that long. So, like, making that decision to pay him, like, now is going to be, like, a huge, like, stepping zone in the direction that they're going. Um, 
And I don't know, like, I feel like they're the team that'll have, like, a bunch of young players that eventually, like, they'll just keep drafting and, like, they won't be able to, like, you know, play them or they won't be able to keep them. Like, they have, like, Onyeka Kongwu, who's, like, a lottery pick from a couple years ago, and he's, like, just starting to get playing time. So, like, I think the problem was bringing in all those, like, free agents and, like, those external pieces while they had, like, so many, like, lottery picks that are just, like, sitting on the bench or, like, unable to play from injury. It's kind of causing this weird, like, dilemma where it's, like, now these young guys, are it's their turn to get paid. But, like, how do you how are you supposed to know what to pay them because of their roles have been so minimal? I agree. And also with those moves that they, like, did a couple years ago, it was, like, Trey Young is one of the greatest offensive threats in this league, but he's a huge liability on defense. So to fix that, they added more offensive pieces, which didn't make sense to me. They added Gallinari and Bogdanovich, who don't play a lick of defense. Okay, so then you're just relying on half of DeAndre Hunter and then Capella to block shots here and there. And then John Collins, he's not, he's not jumping off the floor to play defense. Like they, 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 It wasn't like a good roster that was like built around Trey Young. So I think... Now the focus is like, yeah, like kind of see what the market is for DeAndre Hunter. Like I'm not really sold on him just because I haven't seen him play much. And like he's a strong, good on-ball defender and like he's a solid wing. But besides that, like, yeah, they might have to start looking at drafting and they might have to like trade a couple pieces, like trade Bogdanovich, trade Huerta, probably trade Capella and just uh, let Onyeka start over and take that position from him. Yeah, I agree with that. Um so taking a look at the Hornets, uh, to their matchup. So the Hornets, I mean, LaMelo has been fantastic again. Like LaMelo has definitely, you know, lived up to his reputation. He's been great. Um, but like the one player I want to shine some light on this time is, uh, Miles Bridges. So in 2020, he averaged 12.7 points, six rebounds, 2.2 assists. And this year he made the leap to 20.2 points seven rebounds, 3.8 assists. That's a huge, huge jump. Yeah. And, like, he is, like, definitely taken off as, like, a crazy, like, offensive player. I feel like before, he was just kind of getting his in transition because of his insane athleticism. But now he's, like, working his jumper into the game. Like, he kind of has, like, a three-point shot. Like, he's able to score in, like, a variety of ways now. He's definitely taken that leap, and he's still showcasing the athleticism that we know. But, like... I don't know, man. Outside of these two guys, like, I don't really know, like, what to do with this team because, like, I guess they have, like, okay pieces in, like, Hayward, but, like, okay, like, Gordon Hayward is injured, like, half the season. And, like, Terry Rozier is, like, okay. And I don't know, like, I I just don't know about the rest of their pieces. Or, again, it's kind of, like, similar to the Hawks where I really don't know where they go from here and how they significantly get better. I, I think a big drop-off for the Hornets was losing Gordon Hayward. He was a really good glue piece for them. Like, Hayward's always been good for any team he's on, except just the injuries. has always been an issue. And, like, ever since, like, I think ever since they lost Gordon Hayward, they were at, it like, a 350 win percentage. They lost a lot of games. They were solid. They were in the 5-6 seed with Hayward. So they probably would have been, like, a 7-8 playing team instead of being all the way down here. I even know it's only two-game difference. They just would have been, better, been a better team with Hayward on the court. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't really know what else to build around besides LaMelo and uh, Bridges. Like, Bridges has been great. LaMelo's great. And then they just have, like, a bunch of, like, Rosiers and, like, one of the Martin brothers, you know. And um, they need a solid center. Like, uh, not Montrez Harrell, like, who gets cooked on any, by any player on offense, but, like, a Miles Turner-type player 
like a solid center that you could put down there, like the easy lob threat for Lamelo, and then like a wing who you, maybe you can trade Hayward and package a deal, send him back to Utah. Honestly, Utah could use him, and see what he. Oh get yeah, back. for sure. Yeah, I, I, I think they need to like. I, I, I think they're closer to being a consistent playoff team than the Hawks are. Even though the Hawks have a better player, I just think they they need less pieces than the Hawks do. But they're, they're both these teams are pretty much like the same. I agree. Who do you like in this matchup? Uh, again, it's one game, one game. Uh, but again, Trey Young in one game is scary. Young yeah, I was just gonna say game. that. I yeah. was just gonna say that. Yeah, he can drop forty on you like any given night. That's why I kind of hoping the Hawks would play the Nets. Because like again, Trey Young can just go off whenever. I think I got the Hawks. Yeah, I think the Hornets season is done. Hawks are winning this. Game. Yeah, I like the Hawks here too. So in the in it, I was gonna say in the previous matchup we both got the Nets. Uh, yeah, I got I got the Nets, but I'm not gonna be surprised if the Cavs win. Like, well, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, at I all. mean, you, you explained yourself. I, I agree with your reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm taking the Nets too there. Yeah. Um. All right, so let's move on to the West. Uh, we could start with the nine ten game here. So it's uh, the Spurs at the Pelicans. Yeah. So, I mean. For the Spurs, there's just one guy that I need to mention here. And DeJounte Murray has been going crazy post-All-Star break. He's 25.1 points, 8.8 assists, and 8.2 rebounds. Like, that is just insane. That is absurd. Like, if he, like, does that for a season, that's, like, forget, like, All-Star. That's, like, all NBA, man. Like, 25, 8, and 8 is ridiculous. He has just, like actually like for sure taking the leap and like he's always been like a great like defensive point guard like he's made an all defense team but i think the main thing is his offense is like coming around at like a very like high efficiency and like on increased usage and he's been like actually just really great so like i don't know his play is definitely the reason that they like climbed up to this 10 seed and took it from the lakers i guess yeah, that shitty ass account stat muse. Like, whenever they do post good stuff, it's like interesting. They, they posted today only two players in NBA history have averaged 20 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, and two steals in, in a season. And that one, that, that, those two players are DeJounte Murray and then Michael Jordan. So that's a good category to be in. You know? Crazy. So, so like, that's pretty insane. Like, yeah, he's, he's always been like, he was great when he first got drafted. He just got an ACL tear in the second year and then. He kind of took yeah, people like forgot two, about him. People forgot about him. Yeah, it took him like two and a half years to get back. And at that point, the Spurs are like in the mud. You know, so now he's like back to uh, this spot. And like Spurs are the Spurs, man. Like Popovich is Popovich. Like it's like it's it's the Patriots of the NBA. Like the consistent coaching, you know, like attitude in the press conference. But you know what you're going to get. And you know you're going to get hard work and good work ethic with this team. And you're going to play hard no matter what they have around them. Like if you look at this roster, it's like just a bunch of like random Europeans, and most of these players should probably be in like Euro leagues and playing in Japan or China. But they made it work, and they like have a chance to make the playoffs. Oh, they have some good young pieces for sure. I mean, like Keldon Johnson, like Devin Vassell, like Lonnie Walker, and like the rookie they took this year, Josh Primo. Like I think the hope is is that like one of them becomes really good and i don't know if like there's one team that i trust to develop players it's the spurs yeah. 
so that's why i feel like no matter like where they end up in the lottery like they'll just take whatever guy they think that they can develop and like from then on like we just like wait to see like what level of player he becomes um but no i mean i think they have like an okay like team i think like the main thing that we can like that's kind of the common theme for all these playing teams is like where do they really go from here to make the leap into like actual contender status and that's kind of like a big unknown with like every team and like i would say it's true for the spurs as well um but moving on to the pelicans so i mean i don't know the pelicans have had the most crazy like season <laughs> like from the beginning like it's just been like bad vibes like they had a slow start like there's all these rumors just building around zion like everyone Zion isn't even playing yet. It seems like all the focus is just on whether Zion is going to come back to the Pelicans like this season, or is he going to request a trade? And it was looking like really, really bleak from that for them. And then they make the trade for CJ McCollum. They ship out Josh Hart. Um, And honestly, like, I don't know, like when they did the trade, I was like, okay, like this is just a move that'll keep them in the middle, you know, like they'll probably be at this play in like level, but I don't know. Like the more you, the more I think about it, it's like, okay, like CJ McCollum, like is like whatever, like he's definitely like at his peak, like an okay second option on a team. But this, like, I mean, ideally on this Pelicans team, he's like the third option with like Brandon Ingram and Zion as your one, a, and like one yeah. B or whoever you consider better in that. But yeah. like, I don't know, him as a third option isn't terrible. And they've had, like, great contributions from their rookies, like Herb Jones and Trey Murphy. Like, Herb Jones' defense is legit scary. Like, that man is a menace out there. I have him on my uh, defensive second team. He's he's ridiculous. Yeah, he's crazy, dude. Like, ever since they started, like, playing him more, like, their record has been significantly better. So, like, I don't know. Their outlook was, like, terrible in the beginning of the year. And now I feel like it's not that bad. Like, you add Zion to this team and like expect growth from those rookies. And like the main thing that I haven't even mentioned about them though, is they have that Lakers pick like that Lakers pick, like the Anthony Davis trade picks like start now. And it was like, I think it's uh, like basically they get, I think the scenario is if the pick ends like outside of like 11, the late, like the Lakers would get it, but like, that's not happening. So the Pelicans are going to get their pick which is, like, just insane to think about because no one thought, like, this pick would convey because, like, or they even if they did, like, I guess they, the, the pick wouldn't be that good, but the Lakers are at, like, the eighth best, at the eighth best odds right now. So, like, that's that's a huge opportunity. Like, they, they could add, like, like, a top, like, seven pick to this team and get Zion back, which is just crazy. But how does it work again? So if, they're, if the pick is in the top 10, the Pelicans keep it top 11? Uh, yeah, but I think, like, the odds for that are just, like, insanely low. So, like, I really don't think it's going to happen. The Lakers going to get it back, you're saying? Or No, no, no. Like, the Pelicans are going to get the pick. If it's outside of top 11. If it's in the top 11, the Lakers get it, you're saying? Uh, no, other way around. Sorry. If it's outside of top 11, then the Lakers get it. Yeah, yeah. And you're saying it's good odds for it to be in the top 11, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, like okay. So I'm looking at their pick right now. They have the Lakers. <laughs> they have like a zero point. No, no, no. It's like less than a one percent chance that they get their pick, man. 
Okay. Yeah. As long as the like, Lakers don't get it, that's all I care about. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. Lakers are not getting that pick. It's less than a one percent chance that they get it. I think. But yeah, uh, so, yeah. I mean, but back, yeah. What were you saying? So, like, as far as Packers roster, like, they they've built like they had a bad start, and then like, it felt like with Zion, I felt like he was gonna come back. He's gonna come back. He's gonna come back. He's gonna come back, and then the season's over. Yeah, I was kind of just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then boom, and the season's over. So like, he just never played at all, and I don't know. It's one of those players where it's like he's injured, but like it's not that serious to where you can shut him down for a whole year. But like it's like the season's over anyway, so no point bringing him back. And this whole weight stuff, like I don't know, like I'm not the. It's kind of fucked up. Yeah, like I, I'm not a person to speak because like I'm not in the greatest shape in the world. Like I stay fit, but like as an NBA athlete, I've always had this issue. Like people like Glenn Davis and Jared Solinger, like you have you can you have the money for a nutritionist, and this is your job. Like you're you're getting paid millions of dollars to do this. Just eat healthy and stay in shape and then once you retire then go eat all the fast food and all the gumbo you want but for now just like try to stay in shape and that's what i don't understand like and like it is kind of fucked up like trying to go after his weight but again like it's affecting your play it's gonna affect your play you can't be 350 pounds jumping off the floor you know so like yeah it's true you have to get in a good yeah, I mean, shape i think part of the problem is it's like a foot injury right so i think like that's like contributing to it like he has like a a foot injury and like if i'm not mistaken i think it's like a jones fracture which is like the same injury like kd had like when he was on the thunder and like i remember from that season like the biggest like the most annoying thing with that injury is like you don't really know when like those players are ready because like there were like reports like oh like kd will practice soon or like kd looking to like escalate into like contact or like five on fives or something and it just feels like you're just like looking for these updates and like they just like never come or when they come it's just like at the most pointless time of the season so i don't know it is a tricky injury so just to like you know like speak yeah, on his sense. perspective like yeah. it's a crazy it's a really really weird injury yeah, um, i mean the, uh, who, do you, who do you like in this game i don't know this is even like worse than the yeah. Hawks and Hornets <laughs> game. like yeah, this, this is a toss-up man yeah this is whatever like who cares uh, uh i'll i'll go with the spurs just for fun yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say the Spurs, too. Um, but, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah I'll, I'll go with the Spurs, too. Yeah, like, I don't really care. It, like this that. is, like, a really 50-50 game. And, and again, like, we're, like we're saying earlier, like, it shouldn't be fair that one of these teams makes the playoffs. They very easily could if they get two wins, which is possible. And then, Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Like, these are lottery teams. They are not playoff teams. So that's the frustrating part about this whole playing tournament in general. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. But let's move on to our uh, the last play-in matchup. Um, so it's Clippers and Timberwolves. Um, the Wolves have definitely made a leap that finally everyone has been like, everyone's kind of been like waiting for the Wolves, like, okay, like, is this their year? Is this their year? And they finally did it. They're finally like a playoff team. And they actually like looked like really good during the, the regular season. Um <clears throat> So just a few, a quick few stats on them. They're 37 and 26 with their big three playing. They're seventh in offense, 13th in defense, um, which is just a huge, huge like boost. And like, I think the craziest part is like 13th in defense because I don't know, like the one thing about like the one knock on Carl Anthony Towns has definitely been his defense. You know, he's been a great offensive player, but I'm pretty sure in, in every advanced metric, this man has been torched on defense in like every single aspect, like literally like dead last 
Yeah, three years. Yeah, ago, like yeah. out of like sixty-two qualifying centers, like he'll rank sixty-two. <laughs> so it's like really bad. But like, I mean, like you have to give them credit, man. Like they they're in a good place right now. Yeah, they have a good roster with um like Cat and Anthony Edwards and Malik Beasley's a great piece. You know, and then and like D'Angelo Russell has been great for them, even though they I don't think they really I don't think he's part of their future. But um, they surprised a lot of teams, but I think they like developed them good. They had a focus on defense. Like said, they're, they're first in pace, right? and like they just outrun teams like out of the gym. You know, and then that's how Carl Anthony's house lost all his weight this summer. He's outrunning teams, and I think a huge part of this. I know you hate this man. I know you hate this man. But Patrick Beverly has been like a huge like part of the resurgence. Like he has them with like a kind of swagger. You know, they're playing defense. They're playing harder. Like they're talking back. They're talking shit. You know, like that he's a, he's like a big part of like this team making um, the playoff push. Yeah, I mean, I'll always have my forever beef with Patrick Beverly, uh, just as like a Thunder fan. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think he's been like a key like instrumental piece, and especially for someone like he was like tra- he was like shipped off like from the Clippers. Uh, where, where did he get traded to before the? He traded to like seven teams before like he ended up on the. Uh... The Timberwolves. I remember. I, remember, I think yeah, he, yeah. he landed on a team, and he's like, "Okay, let's start." And then they traded him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I guess I'm good. I like. I'm just happy that he found like his footing somewhere. And like, I don't know. I, I I really really hope that the Clippers like make the playoffs because like, I don't know. A big thing about me is like I kind of like seeing like younger players like enter the playoffs for the first time, and like watching watching Anthony Edwards in the playoffs is gonna be like so so fun in my opinion. So that's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Um, he, he was traded to the Grizzlies on like the 16th of August, and then like yeah, I was gonna later. say it was the Grizzlies, but I didn't yeah. want to take a guess. And five days later, he got sent to the uh, Timberwolves. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that, that's disrespectful. No, but anyways, moving on to the Clippers. So, um, I mean, the Clippers—they're they're crazy, man. Like. As like a Thunder fan, like when Sam Presti made the Paul George trade, the one thing he was looking for was one season where Kawhi and Paul George are hurt and the Clippers fall to the depths of the league and like that pick is unprotected and like the Thunder are like feasting with like two like, you know, like insanely high like lottery picks and they're just in the best position. And that was this season. Like Kawhi has not played this year. Paul George was out for like what, like half the year. Like this was that year and their team, like amongst all this adversity, like rose up and like maintained that eight seed. And like, they had, like they had the eight seed, like they're like locked into the eight seed for like a while now. Like it wasn't from, like, January, like, they had it. like, yeah, from like January. Yeah. So, they they yeah. had it. And that's, that's a testament to like great coaching. Like shout out Tyron Blue. Like he, he's crazy, man. Like he, he is one of the better coaches for sure. Like, without a doubt, like, people were flaming him before, like, when he was on the Cavs, but no, like, there's no way that man was a problem. That man is a genius. And they have, like, a lot of, like, role players, like, stepping up. Like, Luke Kennard, like, looks good. Like, they're, like, reviving, like, the career of, like, Nicholas Batum for some reason. Like, they got, like, and, like, I think the main thing that has defined this Clippers team is their abilities to find, like, players that can help them on, like, insanely, like, cheap returns. Like getting like Subach was like like key for them, and they they played nothing for him. Like they got like Norm Powell and Robert Covington, like two like what like rotation like wings. Like anyone like that's that's crazy. 
and like everyone thought like they would be sellers maybe like maybe they'd move off of like some of these bigger contracts and now they were buyers like they improved their team in this time and now paul george is back they're 18 and 13 this season with paul george but when he when he's been at least like last season he's been like 27 points per game like 10 rebounds five assists and he's looked like pretty good like i don't think there's been a game where he's been like bad since he came back from his injury yeah, I mean, this is a really good team and really, really scary if uh, Kawhi comes back. But even if he doesn't come back, like this is definitely not a team that I want to play. Yeah, I've always been big on the Clippers, like ever since they like got uh, Kawhi and PG. And I'll, I've been saying this for years. Like in the bubble season, if there wasn't a bubble, I think the Clippers go to the finals and maybe win it all. Last year, I think we can all say if Kawhi didn't tear his ACL and they were healthy, they were going to the finals, they were beating the Suns. And they're probably they probably had a good chance against the Bucks to win in that finals. And then this year, I think like if Kawhi and PG were healthy, they probably were like gonna be in the mix with like the Suns and the Grizzlies and the Warriors. They'll be right there. So like this is like another example of like the two wings and then just add a lot of depth around it. And that, that formula works. And then this year they didn't even have those two wings. It it reminded me of like their 2018-2019 season where they came back in the Warriors in like a 35 point game in like the playoffs. Like they had like all this depth and it just worked. And then they added two pieces, and then that kind of like, kind of fell apart. But at least this year, they have chemistry. They know how to get it done together. And what's crazy is like their comebacks. They don't give up like five twenty-plus point comebacks this season. That's the most in the league. And then they had, they had that thirty-five point comeback on the Wizards like in February. So like, yeah, that one was crazy. Like, uh, I, I I hope both of these teams are the teams that make it, um, seven eight. And, like, I have uh, – I think if the Clippers win this game as a seventh seed, I think they can upset the Grizzlies. But we can save that for later if they make it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. In terms of betting, like, this game is crazy. Like, the, the Timberwolves are, like, favorites in this game. So, I don't know. Like, betting, like, the Clippers here, like, seems like a good bet to me. <laughs> um, like, I, I like the Clippers in this one. Yeah, and I, I like the – oh, and, and this game, I, I'm going with the Clippers, yeah. I think the hopefully the Wolves don't lose that second game and they still make it in. But uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, who do you think has the most pressure to make the playoffs between these two teams? Because like there's this is like year three of Kawhi PG experiment, you know, and like the Wolves like have all this pressure of like being a great team and then they can't just lose, and not get in. Uh, I mean, out of these two teams, I would say, like, more pressure is on the Timberwolves just because, like, they've been good, like, all season. And, like, I don't know. If they, like, lose the like, if okay, like, let's just, like, put hypotheticals, right? If the Clippers, like, miss out on the playoffs, like, the Clippers are just going to be, like, it's very easy as, like, a Clippers, like, person is to be, like, okay, like, this wasn't our year. You know, Kawhi and Paul George were injured. But we, like, you know, like, the role players had a lot of growth. Like, we added some pieces. Like, we'll be back at it next year when those two are healthy. And, like, regardless of what happens this year, I think the Clippers have full confidence in themselves next year to be a huge contender in the West. Whereas, like, for the Timberwolves, like, man, to have, like, this great of a success season and to lose two games and miss the playoffs, especially when you were the seven seed. So, like, I guess that's, like, what, two home games that they'll have a chance to win? Um, Like, I think that, that would be really, really disappointing. And then it kind of, like, puts you back into that cycle of, like, okay, like, where are we now? Like, we had this great season, but we still didn't even make the playoffs. And I feel like it just kind of throws you back into, like, that bad cycle. So, in my opinion, I think the pressure is all on the Timberwolves here. I think I have to agree with you. I think it's more so, like, the Clippers kind of have that buffer of, like, the injury. But 
there is also the argument like they these guys are, are getting older you know like i know pg is 31 but Kawhi's like around the same age but they haven't locked up for a couple of years but this is like year three of the experiment it's kind of like the same thing that the nets are on like the nets are on year three and if they don't win at all then like what are you doing here you know like you have to at least make like a, a strong playoff push like this team hasn't been to the conference finals i mean they, they were there last year but like they haven't been to the finals um with this experiment and like the bubble was their chance so i think like maybe not this year but next year there's no excuses they have to have Kawhi. if they have Kawhi healthy they have pg healthy they have to be a top four seed and make a strong push yeah, I agree with you, man. I mean, I think the way their team is set up, like, as much as I like their pieces, like, they probably have, like, I don't know, maybe two or three more years of being a contender, I think, before age, like, catches up to Paul George and Kawhi. And, like, as great as those two players are, like, they've been, like, two of the more heavily injured, like, like all-stars we've had, you know. So I think, like, age, like, would definitely catch up to them a bit more earlier than it would to some of these other older players. Um yeah. I think my only worry, I would say, is, like, this team gives me vibes of, like, the 18-19 Clippers team, like I was saying, where they had, like, no stars and they just played hard. Almost like the 17-18 like the Celtics, where it was, like, no stars, but they just played hard. And then you add stars into the equation, and then, and then everyone's ego starts getting bruised. You know, and that's what happened kind of, like, the year after yeah. Ryan PG joined. Like the, they were a solid team, but they weren't that, as good as they should have been in the 19-20 season. And the egos got bruised, and then, like, the bubble made... PG sad, you know, so I hope it doesn't happen again next year, but I think it shouldn't because these players have been there for a while now and they know what their roles are, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's about it for our uh, play-in preview here. Um, do you have any closing thoughts before we cut this? Oh, man, I think uh, I'm excited for the actual the playoff preview because some of these games I don't really care about, like the Pelican Spurs, but... <laughs> I'll definitely be watching. No, yeah, games. I agree with you. I'll definitely watch um, three but, out of four of these games. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, so yeah, I mean, we'll have the the playoff preview uh, coming up soon. Um, so stay tuned for that. But uh, I mean, it's good to be back. Yeah, man, this is fun. I'm excited to do the playoff preview. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a good playoffs. I'm excited. Yep, yep, for sure. All right, we'll talk to you guys later.